Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with Josh Nelson, where we get real, we get honest, and we get clear about the financial world and your money. This is Josh Nelson, a certified financial planner and founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. We love feedback, and we'd love it if you would pass it on to me directly at josh at keystonefinancial.com. Also, please stay plugged in with us, get updates on episodes, and help us promote the podcast. And also, subscribing to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Let the financial fun begin. Thanks for joining me today. Dave Ramsey said you can create a lifestyle and you can create wealth, but it's hard to create both. T. Harv Eker said rich people look at every dollar as a seed. And in America, we are really good at consuming. And my message today is not aimed at people that are good at consuming. In fact, my message today is aimed at people that aren't very good at it. And I'm kind of kidding, but kind of not. In the thousands of financial conversations that I've had with people over the years, I noticed that there is a group of people that are not so good at spending. In fact, they're so good at being the millionaire next door that they have a hard time spending the money, even though they could, especially once they get into retirement. And of course, that was the time that they were kind of planning for, right? To be able to spend. So that's really what we're talking about today is what if you do such a good job saving and investing and building that you have a hard time actually spending the money once the time comes. So first of all, let's eliminate the fear of running out of money first. And that's important. It's important because that's the number one fear. There's been a number of studies on that, that the number one fear by far of retirees is running out of money sometime in their retirement years. And that's kind of crazy because normally you would think that the number one fear would be dying, but that's not the case. I think that's number two, actually. Number one fear is running out of money. So that's what we want to do is just eliminate that fear first, because that will help us really get some freedom to be able to make some different decisions. So first of all, we are doing all of this. The reason why anybody saves or invests and builds wealth is because they want income. And so what we're doing when we build a portfolio is we're really building a money machine. And your money machine might look a little bit different than somebody else's. Some people worked for the government for years, and really they're counting on a fairly large pension to be a big part of their money machine. So let's assume that we don't have those guaranteed income sources. Let's assume that it's just a portfolio that we've built. Let's not assume a rental property income. Let's just assume that we needed a big pot of money that we build up. And really what we do off of that is we use a simple rule that we like to say is the 4% rule. And the 4% rule simply means that we draw no more than 4% of our investment net worth. In other words, not more than 4% of our investment net worth per year gets drawn out of our investment assets. So of course, we're not including other things like home equity, or if you do have rental properties, that's a whole other kind of deal. And we can run all kinds of calculations, we can do spreadsheets and all kinds of stuff like that. But more than anything, really, it's taking 4% of whatever the portfolio assets are, and looking at what that is and taking no more than that per year. And if you look at that and say, yeah, that covers my expenses, and plus some, then you are in good shape. You're not guaranteed. There's no guarantees in life for investments, financial planning, of course, but you've got really, really high odds of not running out of money, especially if you're flexible in your approach. 
So let's look at it this way. We are going to have bear markets. That's just part of being an investor, that bear markets come around every three, four years historically. So we're going to have another one and another one and another one. That's just part of being an investor. So let's make sure that we take a look at the 4% of whatever that amount is. In other words, if our portfolio assets have dropped 20%, let's say we had a million bucks. Now we've got 800,000 or a 30% drop. Now we've got $700,000 taking 4% of that amount will give you much, much higher odds of not running out of money simply because you're flexible in your approach. So keep all of that in mind. And once you reach that level of confidence that you're not likely to run out of money in retirement, in other words, once you feel really good about that, and the good news is that a great certified financial planner or fiduciary like us or somebody else that you end up finding, they should be able to run all kinds of calculations for you and run all kinds of what-if scenarios to make you feel comfortable. In other words, am I still going to be okay if I have a bear market right after I retire? Or am I still going to be okay if inflation is double what I thought it would be before? So there should be all kinds of stress tests that your fiduciary or your certified financial planner can run for you to help you feel confident. Taking some time to think and plan, do some planning around spending. And you know, I'm not talking about planning out new vehicles, things like that. Yeah, that's great. You know, we've got things like that that come up, but let's just talk about in general, what do we want our lives to look like and really sit down and do some thinking on paper, ideally. One of my mentors, Keith Cunningham, for years, uh, he has done thinking time three to four days per week. And what that means is he starts with a question and then he just free writes on that question and he sets a timer, you know, so he goes a certain amount of time and he just sits quietly in his same chair using the same pen and using his same journal. And then when timer's up, he's done. And he does that three to four days a week religiously. And Keith attributes his thinking time as one of the keys to building an enormously successful business that he's had over the years. If you're interested in a deep dive on thinking time, Keith actually wrote a great best-selling book called The Road Less Stupid on this very topic. So just taking some time to really think about what do I want this to look like and having that be a focus for just a chunk of time, maybe 20, 30, 40 minutes map out some different areas. And with that in mind, I want to kind of give you some food for thought. Um, Taking the time to do that and thinking about spending, I have three thoughts for you today. Number one, it's okay to spend it. And that's what you've been planning for all these years. We've been building up this money machine and really the planning that we're doing is so you can spend it, so you can actually do that. And one of my clients years ago, she sheepishly asked me if it was okay for her to buy a nice couch that she had been wanting to buy. I told her, yeah, let's look at your stuff. Let's look at what you're spending. And of course, yeah, go go buy the couch. And she was so happy. But we always joke about that now when she comes in is, is it okay for me to buy this or that? So that's always kind of the running joke with us. But you know, a lot of people have been very, very good at building up portfolio assets and Back to our quote before that rich people look at every dollar as a seed. Well, that's hard to kind of unwind that. And I'm not asking you to do that. If you've got that mentality, that's great because very few people do. Most people are just great consumers. They spend all their money and they have a wonderful time, but they don't end up with a whole lot of portfolio assets or net worth or really income in retirement. So that lifestyle is not going to continue for them forever. They'll only be able to do that as long as they've got job income that supports that. So, you know, as long as you're not going into debt and you're abiding by that 4% rule, I'm completely fine with it. And if we figure out that you're only drawing maybe 2% or 3% per year of your portfolio, that leads us to the next couple of points. 
My second point, which is it's okay to give it away. I firmly believe that it's better to give than to receive. And while there's nothing wrong with receiving, one of the most fulfilling parts of life, and in my life at least, is contributing to other people's lives. Of course, we can do that in non-financial ways. I think a lot of us do, right? We give our time to help on a service project, or maybe we go visit lonely seniors at a care facility. There are a lot of great things that we can do with our time. There are also a lot of people that could use our help, and we can receive a lot of fulfillment from giving money to people we care about. And so isn't that kind of interesting that by making a contribution, we get to receive too, even though we're giving. In the end, I think that's one of the things that we all are going to look back and look at the ways we were able to contribute to people's lives and to organizations. So giving money to people we care about and organizations that have a mission that we believe in, I think that leads to a lot of fulfillment. Again, it has for me over the years, and it's something to consider as you're planning on what you're going to do with your money. Number three. You can't take it with you. I find that I usually hear that phrase uttered on the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, People are saying that as an excuse, in other words, because they want to spend some money when they know that they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be buying that boat or that car or whatever. Uh, So what I mean here is I mean that they probably don't have their financial house in order in those circumstances. What I'm talking about here is really for people who just haven't been very good at spending money. That's just not their habit. And they have a hard time maybe going up and buying a new wardrobe or doing some things to their house, or maybe it is buying new furniture or having the house painted. I know for a lot of people, probably seven, eight out of 10, probably think, wow, this conversation is kind of crazy. I have no problem spending money. But for people that are so kind of geared towards that, they've been such good savers over the years, they do really have a hard time spending it. So do recognize, especially when we're running these numbers, and we do this for our clients all the time as we run cash flow reports and financial projections, and sometimes we figure out that, gosh, your projection here is you're going to have a boatload of wealth to be able to pass on someday. And especially what I find is people start getting older, maybe once they get into their 70s, 80s, then they really start feeling confident that, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to spend all this money. Sometimes we do find that people start to loosen the wallet a little bit and not only contribute more to charity, but also helping out kids, helping out grandkids. So I just want to throw out a few ideas just to kind of spur your thinking time a little bit. This is not meant to be a, hey, you should do this or you should do that. It's just ideas. It's things that I've seen people do over the years to be able to help out kids, help out other people that they care about. One of those that I think is really neat, I've got a friend that actually keeps a money clip in his pocket and he always keeps a thousand bucks in his money clip. And the reason why he does it is not so he can spend the money necessarily, but it's what he calls walking around money. And what he does with that money basically is he he uses it to tip generously. For example, if he goes out to a restaurant or he uh, you know goes to a show and he has his car valeted, he tips generously and wants to make sure he's always got the opportunity to give money away if he sees an opportunity, easy way to do it. Another way that I think is really fun, and I think we're going to do a podcast episode on this at some point, is buying an experience for people. Sometimes our clients tell us, you know, our kids are all in pretty good shape financially. They really don't need us to give them cash at this point. But maybe it's creating an experience that they wouldn't have had otherwise. I've got a couple of clients that they took all of the kids and grandkids to Disney World here a couple of years ago and kind of did the whole deal. And if you've been to Disney World, you realize it is an enormous kind of undertaking as far as the planning and the number of things that there are to do and see there. But 
it truly, in a lot of ways, is the happiest place on earth simply because it's an experience that you're not going to be able to get anyplace else. They truly have created something unique. And of course, they can charge prices commensurately. <laughs> so it's going to be expensive, in other words, if you plan that trip. But you know, I throw that out there because it's an experience that they created. They've got memories, they've got great photos and video and everything, especially when some of the grandkids were little and able to really enjoy that experience. They were a little bit older and so they got to mostly observe. They probably weren't going on the crazy rides and things like that, but they got a huge amount of joy just watching everybody enjoy and interact. And it was a great way to get the family together. So it could be something like that for you. Maybe it's not Disney World. Maybe it's buying an Alaskan cruise and having all the grandkids and kids go on that. Maybe it's not so expensive. It doesn't have to be crazy, right? It could just be ordering up a Airbnb someplace over a weekend and everybody maybe covers their own flights or maybe you're covering their flights. But I've seen a number of clients do that. Sometimes it's coinciding with a big event like an anniversary or somebody retiring, maybe the uh, grandparents, maybe they retired and they say, well, to celebrate, we're going to take everybody to do this. So clearly a little bit more limited right now in COVID land that we're kind of dealing with. I think things are starting to open up travel wise. And I assume that that will continue over time. Things will become more and more loose. There'll be more cruises, things like that. But keep in mind that it could be an experience. Maybe you do a grandkids trip when they graduate from high school, where they get to go someplace with grandma and grandpa and they get to go someplace around the country, someplace around the world. I know some clients that actually have done that. They let the grandkids choose an international destination. And again, it was a memory and it was also a financial contribution and experience really that they probably wouldn't have ever had themselves or that the grandkid ever would have been able to have. So really, you know, thinking about that's just a few ideas. There's other ones like buying, you know, vehicles. Sometimes parents buy the kids a new vehicle when they graduate from college. Maybe it's that they help with a certain amount of money as a down payment on the first home. So be thinking about things like this, whether you've got grandkids, you've got kids, you've got none of the above, and that's fine too. Maybe there are other people that you care about or organizations that you care about that you really want to be able to help if you really had the extra money. In other words, have that abundance mentality after you've done your financial planning and you know that you have a high level of confidence in your plan, really start getting creative and thinking about, okay, well, if I knew I was okay, if I really was confident that my financial plan was going to work out, not likely to run out of money, I've got a, just a solid financial foundation, but then I have a bunch of extra money and I had to give it away, then what would I do? So maybe that's your thinking time question. In other words, is put yourself in that scenario where if you truly had to do something with the money and you couldn't hang on to it, what would you do? Maybe it's something that you and your kids can enjoy or grandkids. Maybe it's to other people. Maybe it's that you're just helping the community. It could be other opportunities around like at Thanksgiving. I know a group of people that they do a basket brigade every single year and take meals around to the community for people who just can't afford to provide a nice Thanksgiving meal or maybe a really disadvantaged family that can't get out. They really bring all the fixings and really help out the whole family and create a really, really nice experience for them. I've gotten to do that a couple of different times and go with them. And it truly warms my heart when I am able to interact with those folks and just see the gratitude that they have for having that experience. So hopefully that gives you some ideas today. I'm sure you've got a million more and I would love to hear some of them. In fact, if you'd share any of those with me, I love to hear big wins like that of experiences that you've had in giving money away or just being able to enjoy the abundance that you've created by being such a good financial steward. 
So I think that was a solid topic for today, just because it does come up a lot, especially for people who have a higher net worth and have really done a lot of proper planning. In fact, I've had a couple of people bring that up, that you should do a podcast episode on spending. How do we get good at spending? So hopefully the people who asked for that are listening today. If you know other people, though, that should be listening to this, please share these episodes with them. You can share them individually. You can share the podcast page with them individually. So that's how we grow, basically, is by you helping us get out there to other people that you care about, you know. They might be your family members. They might be your coworkers, could be friends, could be other people that you just interact with. So please share this out. Help us get more exposure on the Wiser Financial Advisor, simply because our mission here is not to make a bunch of money or something like that. Our job here really on the Wiser Financial Advisor is to educate. We're here to really use wisdom, use wisdom that's time-tested and that is not stuff that we just made up. This is stuff that we've been able to use through experience or also people that have come before us. And sometimes that's hundreds or thousands of years ago, by the way, but we're really using wisdom to our advantage and learning along the way. So thank you so much for listening today. If you want to support the Wiser Financial Advisor, again, share with friends and family. Also click on subscribe at the Wiser Financial Advisor at your favorite podcast service, whether it's Apple or Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pandora. There are a lot of services out there and we're on them all. Have a great week. And God bless. This episode has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors. Investment advisory services offered through Keystone Financial Services and SEC Registered Investment Advisor.